Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. Who likes to get dressed up? Just from where I am, two-thirds of you don't like getting dressed up, and the other third are women. So it's... Maybe it is like a, 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 a women's thing. They like to get dressed up. I don't mind getting dressed up, you know. I don't like to wear suits all the time, but I, I do like to get dressed up, um, you know, just sort of when I can. I don't wear a suit very often, so to be honest, most of the time I'm hoping it hasn't shrunk over the last couple of months. And Because, um, you know, like if you don't wear it very often, you pull it out on the day that you're meant to wear it, and you're like, this, I can't believe this whole thing shrunk in the wardrobe, you know, isn't that, isn't that odd, you know, and so anyway, that's, uh, that's how that goes, but, but it is good to get dressed up, I, had a, I actually had a, um, a fancy dress party that I went to a couple of years ago, and uh, I decided that I would get, you know, really dressed up and get into character for the night, so I did, I, I dressed up as my sweet, Swedish ski alter ego Sven, and um, I had, I actually had a full onesie ski suit uh, that was on that looked like it was from the 80s and so this thing was pretty amazing and they had a like a blonde mullet um, do you remember MacGyver's hair it would look kind of like that so so I had this blonde mullet and I thought this is going to be so great this is going to be so much fun and I got into my car and then as I started to drive I realized that I was out of petrol so what I thought was really cool two minutes ago became really embarrassing just a few minutes later. And so I got out of the car at the petrol station and I was honestly, I was filling up the car with petrol and just looking around at everybody to see if they were looking at me because to be honest, I look like a total weirdo and uh, I was still wearing the, the mullet because I'd have adjusted it right, you know. And, and so I went in and I paid for it. And I felt weird when I was getting dressed up, you know, when I, when I was out at the petrol station. But when I got to the party, boy, did I fit in, you know. And so I walked in and I'm like, ha, ah, I've made it. And I felt normal. But I only felt normal because I was surrounded by those people. And I, I want to preach a message to you guys today called Get Dressed, because it's important to dress for where you're going, not for where you are. Um, I want to preach out of Acts chapter 12. I'm going to do that in just a minute, um, but I want to give you the background to the story that I'm going to share with you today. And just so you know what's happening, the church uh, is starting to explode. Uh, there's a lot of growth and not everyone is happy about it. Uh, the Jewish people are not happy about it. And there is a king, uh, King Herod, who is really interested in making the Jewish people happy, probably because there was just more of them. And so he wanted to uh, uh, appeal to the masses. So he decided to, as the scripture puts it, lay violent hands onto the church. And he started grabbing some of the disciples. One of the disciples that he grabbed was a man by the name of James and not the guy that wrote the book of James. It's actually a different James, but he, he lay hands on him and he beheaded him. And so um, this was shocking to the church. And uh, then they also had arrested Peter and they put four squads of soldiers around Peter 
to make sure that he couldn't escape from them, escape from prison. So here they are, they've got four squads, they've taken him to the prison and the church is starting to really pray and intercede because we've already seen that they're willing to kill these people because they had already killed James. So we're going to pick up the story, Acts chapter 12 and in verse 6 it says this. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Have you ever felt fully stuck? Just like fully stuck. You can't get out of where you are. I have felt fully stuck before. The most stuck I ever felt was on my Bucks party. <laughs> and my Bucks party, my friends decided that they would undress me, but only down to my underwear. And then they wrapped me in glad wrap from head to toe, fully in glad wrap, I might add, with the full support of my father. <laughs> who oversaw the process. And so here I was, and I was wrapped in glad wrap, and they had wrapped me up so many times that I was just stuck like this, and there was nothing I could do. And I, I, it was actually even hard to get my balance. So as I started to fall, the only thing I could do was just call out for help because you, there is no, you can't move, so I can't put my foot out to get my balance back. I was totally at the mercy of whatever they wanted to do. All they wanted to do was to parade me around the Mornington Peninsula on their shoulders like some kind of trophy. People were getting photos with me, random strangers just lining up next to me and giving a thumbs up. I don't know why they did that or how they explained that that photo was in their archive of photos, but people who got photos of me and I was fully stuck. And I know what it feels like to be fully stuck because when you are, you actually cannot move. And I read the scripture and I see a man by the name of Peter who is fully stuck, totally stuck. There is nothing that Peter can do. Right now, as we read this story, at the very beginning of it, it says that he was between two soldiers, that he had two chains on his hands. He was inside a prison cell that was also locked. On the outside of the prison cell, there were prison guards. There were a number of guard posts, and then it leads across a courtyard to a city gate, which is a gate made of iron, and that would eventually lead to his freedom. So here is Peter, and Peter is, I think it would be safe to say, fully stuck. He's fully stuck and he knows that tomorrow is a significant day for him. 
And he's already seen that they are willing to kill people, and he is up next. They already killed James. When I say James, James is a big deal because, you know, of the 12 disciples, if, if you know, there was 12 and then there was three inside the 12, Peter, James, and John. And so this disciple, James, was one of the closest people to Jesus. And here is James, and James is only ever doing what Jesus told him to. Go out and preach good news to all creation. And, you know, he's, so he's fulfilling the Great Commission. He was only doing what he was told to do. And here he is, one of the three has just been beheaded. Here is Peter, and he's inside the cell, and he's completely stuck. And tomorrow is an important day. Can you imagine what would be going through his mind? Of course you can imagine what would be going through his mind because you do that all of the time. You do it every time you have fear inside your heart for what could await you. Your imagination will often do a full-dressed rehearsal of the scenario that awaits you. It will play the scenario out. Like if you have a fear, like if people were going to find out something to be true about you, there's some part of your history some part of your past that you wish would remain hidden. And if only people found out who you really were, and as you play that scenario out, you can even picture the expression and, and disappointment on people's faces as they look at you and discover your secret. Maybe for you, it's, you know, you've, there's some kind of diagnosis in the hospital and you've imagined the fullest extent of what could happen if this thing works all the way through. You know, like you find a, a lump on your body and suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, there's a lump. I should get that checked out. And you start to imagine what that could mean. And suddenly your full-dressed rehearsal imagination is, has you sitting at the doctors hearing the bad news for the first time. You imagine how you would feel at that moment and then you start to play it forwards. You imagine the treatment that you'd receive from that. Some of you have even pictured yourself without any hair because that's the diagnosis that you are most afraid of and your fear is just fueling your imagination. You've even imagined your funeral and what people would say about you. Maybe that's too far, but some of you have. You've imagined what people might actually say about you at your funeral as you've played out that scenario that you just hope would never happen. I actually do know what that feels like. Remember when I was 12 years old and I had an autoimmune uh, sickness and I sat on the bed one day fully assured that in my mind that I was going to die. I thought about it. I played out the scenario of my life in my imagination only to discover that that wasn't exactly the case, but your mind can do incredible things. And I look at this guy called Peter and I see absolutely no anxiety in him. When you constantly play your fears over to yourself, when you constantly uh, rehearse for that scenario, you can get what people call anxiety. You know that constant tension that you get sometimes? That thing that you worry about, but what if, but what if, but what if that happens? And that constant worry, it starts to build. And I, I'm looking at Peter and I see this guy is just sleeping. Sleeping. And I think that Peter has fully mastered what it means to be still and know that he is God. What it would be for us as a generation of people to be still and know that he is God. How good would that be? And you know, some of you are, some of you are pretty calm on the outside. And you look like you've mastered it, but you are a duck. <laughs> you know what ducks do? 
on the surface, I'm not going to break into a rap, but on the surface, you look calm and ready. You look calm and you look ready, but below the surface, your feet are going like this. How many of you have tried to be chilled out in a moment, but actually your anxiety on the inside is just going like you've got a thousand conversations in your head. You're in a room full of people looking chilled, but really your mind is playing and ticking over and over. Maybe for you, it's not the crowd of people. It's just when you're at home by yourself and you've got nothing to distract you. And that's when your mind really goes to work with you. Full dress rehearsals of the most horrible scenario you can think of. And here is Peter, no anxiety, sleeping. He can't move. The guy's not even praying. He's not even praying. He is sleeping. Maybe where we pick up the story, he was sleeping because he'd already reached his word count. You know? Like, how many times do you repeat the same prayer to God? And you've told him over and over and over. Like, and, and, and I reckon Peter, it's not like he didn't know how to pray. Like he probably did, but he probably said it. God, you're aware of it? It's time for me to get some good sleep. Between these two soldiers. You know? And so that's what he does. He just he'd said everything he had to say. It's actually a good thing. Pray what you need to pray. Say what you need to say. And then... You know, be still and know that he is God. Uh, what, 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 would you, what would you pray if you were in this scenario? What would you say? What would you say? Well, I tell you, the first thing you do, you'd make God aware of the situation. Because that's what we always do. Lord, did you know I'm in prison right now? I don't know if you've noticed this. You know, like, because that's what you do. The first thing you do, you want to make God aware of the situation that you're in. Lord, I'm in prison right now. I've been arrested. Don't know if you caught this, but earlier James was beheaded. And now here I am. And I just wanted to make sure that you were over all of the scenarios. And then what you'll probably do is you'll do what I do. Um, You would go for the 10 out of 10 solution. The miracle. Lord, zap me. You prayed a zap me prayer. Don't look at me like you haven't prayed it. The zap me prayer is the instantaneous, miraculous hand of God that did everything you wanted and added some extra. And it was everything you want. Lord, if I was, I'll tell you what, if I was Peter, you know what I'd be praying right now? I would say, Lord, give me the full Philip experience. Do you know who Philip is? Philip was a guy that actually baptized somebody, brought him up out of the water, and then God whisked him away to another country. I'd be like, Lord, you've done it before. You've clearly demonstrated your ability to move people instantaneously from one point to another as a miracle. Give me the full Philip experience. That's what I would pray. Isn't that what you pray? That's what you want, right? The full thing. I, I, get, I want everything. Lord, please zap me. Can I, can I tell you this morning that God knows what you need, but it's not actually your need that moves him? God knows what you need, but it's not your need that moves him because God responds to faith, not need. You know, if God responded to need, I feel like this world would look a little bit different. And if God responded to need, you wouldn't have your prayer list right now. Because if your need was enough to move him, then he'd be answering things as they happen. And you wouldn't even need to pray. Because the moment your need 
comes up, God meets it, and instantly the problem is solved. And you, you, don't, you don't need any kind of prayer life. God just continues to meet your needs as they arise. It's just what happens. But that's not actually what the Bible says. The Bible says things work a little bit differently. We need this thing called faith, which is the belief for a better outcome. In fact, Hebrews chapter 6, it says this. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. So there's no point doing it if you don't believe. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Peter has faith. It's not like... I know he's not praying at the moment, but I think we can be pretty clear that Peter has faith. And I think his faith is more self-evident of the fact that he is sleeping. Because he's not continually, nervously, anxiously making God constantly aware of the impending scenario, freaking out on the inside as if God is not going to answer him. He's like, well, I said what I had to say. Now it's time to get a little bit of shut eye. And I'm going to sleep. I actually think that Peter has faith because he's sleeping. Anxious people don't sleep. Anxious people stay up at night. Anxious people full dress, rehearse their fears. Anxious people can't get to sleep. They have conversations with imaginary people, imaginary fights, imaginary solutions. Anxious people constantly worry. And yet here's Peter and he just seems to be sleeping. And then in comes the angel and the angel says to him, get up quickly like do it now like do it quickly we've got to move i thought well if he's in control of all time and space what's the sense of urgency is it a miracle or isn't it and the bible says that he he got up and the chains fell off you know what i think what peter had right there was a door of opportunity it's interesting that god lives out time outside of time and space but we are fixed within time and space. And I think that sometimes there are doors of opportunity in which we can move and see a different outcome. And now here's Peter with a choice about what to do next. Sometimes all people can see is the obstacles that's in the way of where they want to be. They just see the obstacles. It's like, Peter gets up quickly and the chains, they fall off his wrists. And then he says, look, angel, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm really glad that you're here. But if you haven't noticed, these guards could wake up at any minute. And even if these guards don't wake up, do you see where I am? I'm still in the cell. And if you haven't noticed, the door is locked. And even if by some miracle we seem to be able to get out of the door, there are sentries outside the door. And there are different guard posts. And even if we make it all that way, there is an iron gate between me and where I want to be. See, some people, all they'll see is the obstacles in their way of where they are and where they really want to be. And it's amazing how those obstacles can blind people to what God is even doing in the very moment. This is exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. 
If you didn't know, there were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and then along comes Moses. And after um, miracles and miracles, eventually Pharaoh says, fine, I will let your people go. And then they leave, and they make it all the way to the Red Sea, and now they're stuck and like fully stuck. Because beating down on them is Pharaoh, beating down on them is all of the uh, Egyptian soldiers, and they are trapped. They're fully stuck. And they start to look at where they are, and they say, oh, Lord, what have you led us to? Or they, Moses, what have you led us to? It's all your fault, you know? And, 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 you know, we know the end of the story, so maybe that's why we've got all the faith in the world for what they were going through. But can you imagine being led out of Egypt and coming to an ocean? And now there's an ocean and you're looking at it and you're like, here they come to kill us and there's an ocean in front of us and then what happens next? God parts the ocean and they walk through and they're like, it's it, we're saved and they get through to the other side and now here they are on the other side and the water covers up and kills all the Egyptians and now they're like, what are we going to eat? You've led us this far and now what, only to die? Remember when things were good back when we were slaves and they start to imagine those things being better than they really were? And, and, and why, why did they start to go down this path? How was how it that they didn't see that there was a history of miracles leading up to where God was actually taking them to go? And it's almost like they ignored everything that they'd seen in their past to embrace fear for their future. As if God had led them all that way just to let them die. And what happens next? Oh, well, there is a, a cloud cover by day and, and, and pillar of fire by night. Food falls out of the sky. God didn't lead them all that way just to leave them stuck where they were. And they said, we should go back to where we were. I think some people just get comfortable with the chains that they've got. They're so used to living in slavery, it's actually become a place of peace and comfort for them because at least they know what to expect there. Like if the way that you think about yourself, if you always think about yourself as an underachiever and opportunities arise for you, that negative, anxious, internal self-talk for all the ducks that are out there, starts to say, why would you even bother? Do you know where you are right now? No one in your family history has ever done anything like this. This is where you are. People become comfortable with their chains, except that Revelation 3.8 says that Jesus can open up doors that no one can open. He can close doors that no one can close. There are doors of opportunity, but sometimes when we're so fixed on our obstacles, we don't see our opportunities. The things, the pathway that God is starting to create for us. And I want to tell you that just because you're not free now doesn't mean that by this time tomorrow you couldn't be. Just because that's where you are now doesn't mean that God can't lead you to a new place tomorrow. See, if God is ever going to do something new in your life, it will have to be the first time you experience it. And every time he's about to do something new, there will almost always be obstacles in your way that prevent you from going in a direct line to where you want to be. 
And when that happens, we are, sometimes all we do because of our imaginations, we envision how we might really want things to go. And I've learned that God sometimes moves around and moves in a different way that we expected him to move. Sometimes God doesn't rescue you the way you thought he would. That's the gospel message in a nutshell, is it not? Here is Jesus, the Messiah, God incarnate, God in flesh, and he is on trial at the very hands of the people that claim to worship God, and he's right in front of him. And so here is Jesus, and he's come to rescue uh, all people, but he did it in a way that they didn't expect, didn't he? So, so right now, the Jewish people, they were being oppressed by the Roman Empire, and they said, we want uh, freedom. We want physical freedom. We want freedom from the oppression. We, when the Messiah comes, he's going to change everything. And they had Jesus in front of them, but came in a different way that they expected, to deliver a different kind of freedom than what they thought he would. And because they were so concerned with the obstacles, God can't come in the flesh. That's not how it's going to happen. When it happens, it'll be like this. Here is their freedom right here. And they've got Jesus right in front of them. And because all they could see was the obstacles, it obscured their Messiah that was directly in front of them. Because sometimes people can't see because they've only pictured things happening a certain way. Zap me, Lord. Zap me. Give me the instantaneous, miraculous, in one moment answer to the prayer that I've been praying to you. That's what I'm looking for. But I've discovered that oftentimes your rescue is a process. And it's no less free just because it's a process. It just might not be what you were looking for. But I've discovered that oftentimes God will use the process to teach you something so that you have learned something that you can use to help someone else. The rescue might not happen the way that you want, but it's a process. And so here's Peter and he's, you know, he's not free yet. Because right now at this point, the angel has just said, get up. And he gets up and the, and the chains are off. He's not free yet, is he? See, you may not be free right now, but you could be by this time tomorrow. You may not be where you want to be right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't walk into it in your future. See, just because you are where you are, you're you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be either. You know, like you, you are not who you want to be, but you're not who you used to be either. There is this thing that's been happening in your life, this, this transition, this change, this progressive thing that's happening towards a better future. You're not out of the woods yet, but you are better off than you used to be. Peter is still in the prison, but at least he's not wearing the chains. He's a step closer to where he wants to be, is he not? And he has that choice right now. Imagine if he said, no, 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 no. Angel, listen to me. This is not how I want to receive my freedom. I'm telling you right now, I want what Philip got. He says, if you don't be careful, you're going to get what James got. 
because I'm giving you a window right now and if you don't take advantage of it, you're going to be still here in the morning even though this help is right before you and it's just been packaged in a way that you didn't expect to receive it. The angel says, get dressed. Get dressed. Peter's like, okay, well, I suppose I could get dressed. He still has options here. But why would I get dressed? If you haven't noticed, we're still in the prison. We still have the guards. There's still the sentries out door. There's guard posts. And then there's an iron gate. Why would I get dressed? See, God will dress you for where you're going, not where you are. And he doesn't want to look like a prisoner on the outside. So God says, start to get dressed for where you're about to go so that when you get there, you will start to fit in and look the part. You've got to dress for where you're going, not where you are. You know what we call this? We call this preparation. And there will be people in your life that won't understand that thing that you're doing right now. They are the chains of your past. They want to, they want to keep you where they, where you, where they've seen you be. They want to chain you in such a way they say, this is who you've always been. And this is who you're always going to be. But when you start to prepare for something different, don't expect everyone to see what God is preparing you for because you're going to start to look different. And you might be surrounded by people that say, you can't dress like that. That's, that's not where you are. And you say, that's, okay, I get it. That's where I am, but that's not where I'm going. Yeah, I'm actually going towards a better, towards a different future, but you'll never get dressed if all you see is the obstacles. Don't you know about the gate? Don't you know about the guards? Don't you know about the iron door? You'll, you'll never get dressed unless you see that. And by the way, where are we even going? Because at this point, Peter still has no idea where the angel is leading him. Sometimes we want the end up front, don't we? Lord, just tell me where I'm going and then I'll get dressed. He says, get dressed and then I'll tell you where we're going. In fact, let's be honest, he doesn't even do that. He says, get dressed and follow me. I've learned that God is just a little bit sketchy when it comes on the details to where he's leading you. What he's asking for in the moment is not for you to have a completed picture, but just to be obedient. And if you stay step by step and you keep walking and you keep going after him, maybe you're just going to walk your way to freedom, but you'll never know unless you first get dressed for where you're going. You've got to start to get dressed. Get dressed for where you're going. What does that mean for you? I have no idea. It depends on what God is going to do in your life. Some of you are being called into the education sector. Well, you better start getting dressed for where you're going because if you're 15 right now, you better work hard. You better study. You better go to uni. You better get a teaching degree because your calling is about to get active when you're 30 years old. But if you don't dress for the occasion when you're 15, you're not going to get it when you're 30. Some of you are called to be pastors, leaders of different organizations and movements called to start businesses. But if you don't dress for the occasion now, don't expect that it's just going to miraculous zap you happen in the moment. You've got to start to get dressed for what lies ahead of you. Some of you hopefully will be called into politics because that's something that we desperately need in this nation. And if you don't take an interest in politics right now and you don't start to learn or study or do the right kind of study, then you're never going to be prepared for what God has for you. You know why? Because there are doors of opportunity that will open. And if you don't move, sometimes they will close. 
and you won't get to fully realize everything that God has for you. And if you're going to embrace this next thing that God wants to do, the first thing you need to do is leave your chains behind. Even if they felt comfortable. Even if that's where all your friends see you right now. Even if that's what your boss says, he only ever sees you in that role. You you know you're never going to get promoted where you are because that's all he ever sees of you. He's like, why are you working extra hard? Don't you know that uh, I'm never going to promote you? But you know the promotion comes from the Lord, amen? So you're not too worried about what your boss says because you've got someone that exceeds his authority and that's all the opinion that you care about right now. So what you've got to start to do is dress for your future, not dress for your present. It's an important lesson to learn because if you miss it, you'll always regret it. And here's Peter. He doesn't want to miss it. Look at what it says here in, in verse 10. It says, When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them of its own accord and they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. You got to start to pay attention to your progress. Start to pay attention to what God has done in your life so far. Do you know why that's important? Because you are probably your own worst critic. And the door of opportunity can be there. But if you are your own worst critic, you can talk yourself out of it before you've even taken a step into it. This will probably never happen for me. It'll probably never work out. But remember, okay, fine. You're not where you want to be, but you're still not where you used to be. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. I, I haven't broken completely free of this addiction, but I'm doing a lot better than I used to do right now. I'm feeling a lot freer than I used to feel Okay, so my marriage is not where I want it to be, but boy, have we come a long way in the last six months. It's not the pinnacle of what I have vision and faith for, but it's a lot better than it used to be. I'm going to start to dress for where I'm going. I see that my chains are gone. Here's Peter. At least my chains are gone. The verse that we just read, he's already got out of the jail cell He's been led past the centuries, past the guards. He's come across the courtway, and there it is, the iron door. Most dreams have an iron door. Most dreams have something that seems to be in the way. Let's call it an obstacle that is between you and where you want to be. Most dreams have that. God didn't lead you all this way so that the iron gate could stop you. Imagine if that's how the story ended. And they got to the iron gate. And Peter was stuck. Guards came and got him, killed him the next day. Horrible story. (laughs) Horrible story. God didn't send an angel into the cell to uh, have the chains fall off. Not wake the guards miraculously get out of the cell that he was actually in. Not wake up any of the guards. By the way, why were they even sleeping? Lazy guards. And here they are. And he gets past them all the way to the courtyard. And then there's the gate. He didn't lead him all of that way simply so he could get stuck there 
and get caught all over again. And then it says that it opened by its own accord. If you look up the original Greek word for own accord, it's one word, and the best translation we have is automatic. In other words, Peter got there. Good news for him was it was an automatic door. Imagine that. He got close to it and it opened automatically. Well, we all know it wasn't automatic. It was, it was actually God, but that's what that word means, an automatic door. Have, have you ever gone into a shopping center and the door, it looks closed, yeah? And you keep walking and then suddenly you get closed, boom, it opens and you just keep on going. That was very dramatic, wasn't it? <laughs> It opened. Do you know why it opened? Why was it closed all the way back here? Because you weren't in the zone. You've actually got to get within proximity of the door for it to open automatically. You see, it might be an automatic door, but you will never get close. If you don't get close to it, it's never going to open The first step to discovering whether it's an automatic door is to get dressed. Because that's where you're going. If Peter had stayed in his cell and said, what's the point of getting dressed? Why should I put in my freedom clothes? I'm still, you know, I'm still a prisoner. If he had been wearing his prisoner clothes and not listened to the angel, he would have not made it past the guards, past the door, past the other guards, cross the courtyard and suddenly come to be within zone of the automatic door that would open. And what I'm saying to you is that if you want to get in the zone, you start by getting dressed. Because there are opportunities for you in your life right now that you don't even know about yet because you're not in the zone yet. And what it is, it is progressive. My marriage is not where I want it to be. There's an automatic door coming, but you've got to work hard to get in the zone. So go get your counseling so that you can be in the zone. So that door will automatically open when you get there and you can experience the freedom that you really wanted. Instead of continuing to just live life like a prisoner, because maybe that's all you know. Imagine if the prison guards had have woken up, they would have said to him, likely, where do you think you're going? Not everyone is going to have a picture for where you're going. Not everyone is going to understand that God will continue to open doors and gates in your life to lead you to the place that he wants to lead you. That's why you got to follow. That's why you got to stay close and listen and be obedient so that in the moment when he says, here's your opportunity, you look back over your history and you suddenly realize that everywhere he led you that you thought just didn't make sense and you had no idea why it was done. What was it? It was called preparation. Preparation for what God is about to do. I feel like God, what he wants to do is to get some people to start to develop a mentality to dress now for what he has for you tomorrow. Because I think what God is doing is he's often waiting to move. And when you begin to move, it'll give you the story you want instead of the story that you wish you had. See, God can move. He's just asking you to get dressed. That's all you gotta do. Just start to get dressed. I want you to stand to your feet this morning.
Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.